0: Infectious disease is tied to the health of animals, humans and non-human animals. And it would be rather silly to imagine you could create a healthy system filled with sick animals surrounded by humans you're trying to protect. In, in the same way, it would be silly to imagine you know, having a bunch of people with you know, coronavirus walking around and then trying to put a group right in the middle of that uh, and protect them from it. You, you need to worry about everyone. <laughs>
1: About a year ago, The Guardian published an opinion article by novelist Jonathan Safran Foer and Professor Aaron Cross entitled, We Have to Wake Up, Factory Farms Are Breathing Grounds for Pandemics. Can we really remain healthy when we know that around us there are billions of animals, genetically uniform, unhealthy animals, crammed together in factory farms? I'm Katrine de Volder from the Oxford You Hero Center for Practical Ethics at the University of Oxford. In this interview, I talked to one of the authors of the Guardian opinion article, Aaron Gross, who is a professor of theology and religious studies at the University of San Diego and the founder of Farm Forward, a nonprofit organization which works to improve animal welfare on the farms and to end factory farming.
0: How worried should we be? I, you know, often find myself previously discussing this a few years ago, in the position saying it's time to get alarmed. But now I think we are alarmed, which is great, but we have to understand what we're facing. And I think the challenge is we're being alarmed in the wrong direction. We're not recognizing how much our farming system, our agricultural system, really determines the kind of overall scale of our uh, risk for for pandemics. The data from the Centers for Disease Control is that three out of four emerging and new infectious diseases are what they call zoonotic, which means they're related to the illnesses that animals get. So what this is really telling us to interpret that in a really simple way is infectious disease is tied to the health of animals, humans and non-human animals. And it would be rather silly to imagine you could create a healthy system filled with sick animals surrounded by humans you're trying to protect. In, in the same way, it would be silly to imagine you know, having a bunch of people with you know, coronavirus walking around and then trying to put a group right in the middle of that uh, and protect them from it. You, you need to worry about everyone. And when we look at where new um, dangerous viruses that didn't quite make it um, uh, to the scale of coronavirus are, are coming from, it's completely unambiguous. You know, it's like there's uh, a variety of idiosyncratic places they emerge, and then there's like the Silicon Valley of virus emergence, which is industrial um, poultry and pig farming in particular turns out that birds and humans have uh, immune systems that are related in intricate ways going way back. So the things that birds get sick with, uh, we often get sick with and we pass diseases between each other more than other kinds of species do. So especially the poultry industry um, is of concern. So what's going on in the poultry industry that might make it more worrisome than, uh, you know, the way we ate chickens a hundred years ago, scale. Just the, the quantity of animals. You know, in uh, in the US context, we now eat more than a hundred times per capita, more than a hundred times as much chicken as we did a century ago. It doesn't take a lot of uh, uh, analysis to figure, well, if those chickens get sick, and now in the US we're dealing with 9 billion, right? Far outweighs the human population. Uh, your, your, your opportunities for that virus to multiply you know, have grown accordingly.
1: I went to a, a coffee shop this afternoon and the, the person serving me was wearing her mask under her nose and I was like, oh, no, uh, <laughs> it's not proper social distancing. <laughs> so we're so worried about social distancing among each other and, and rightly yeah. so. Yeah. At the same time, like near us are billions of animals crammed together in these factory farms close to each other and close to the humans handling them.
0: And we, and, and it's not on our radar. It's not on our radar because there's very powerful long-standing political forces that do not want to see that discussion in the media. And that's not, that didn't like occur all of a sudden. You know there's a lot of problems associated with industrial agriculture we're talking about one of them the way it increases pandemic risk but we're also dealing with an industry implicated in climate change ecological pollutions of all different kinds probably the greatest source of uh, worker exploitation at least in the u.s context so this is an industry under fire for lots of uh, different reasons and it has developed means of distraction so this is why I'm emphasizing some of these real basic human facts so that, you know, you can just reason out for yourself. Well, if I'm so worried about somebody's mask being a little bit you know, more exposed, maybe a billion animals that you know, are, are within a couple hundred miles of you, if you're living where I live, um, you know, might want to also uh, be on your radar. So, yeah, we've got this ag system, huge numbers of animals. And then, as you alluded, we have created a system which packs them in greater densities. So this is another risk factor. We've modified their genetics so that they are more genetically uniform. Imagine if we bred everyone so that, you know, if one of us got coronavirus, instantly we all got it. That's essentially what we've done with these birds and uh, and the pigs to a lesser extent. And then to really, you know, make this a, a, a perfect dystopia, we have methods that pretty much guarantee these animals are, are chronically sick. I think most of us have some kind of vague awareness that the animals we're eating today are not the robust, healthy animals that, uh you know we we might imagine on a kind of traditional farm um we really have a system that has made sick animals more profitable to sell than healthy animals it's a it really um is a a perfect uh kind of petri dish to create pandemics
1: i think many people who would want to get rid of factory farms just think well this industry is so powerful i mean how do we even start to change it like is there something that we as individuals can do i mean if i become a vegetarian or a vegan but this these factory farms um keep on receiving um the subsidies that they're currently receives that are paid with my tax money i don't even want to support them but i'm doing it i mean does it even make sense for me to become i mean i am a vegetarian but suppose i I wasn't like to become a vegetarian or is it futile
0: I mean, I think it's a very powerful statement for someone to say, I'm going to go vegetarian or I'm going to go vegan or I'm not going to eat from the poultry industry to make these kind of, you know, broad commitments is something everyone around you will hear and know. It has a certain kind of power that's hard to measure, but it's certainly independent of whatever outward influence it has. It might be the way you need to live in the world to be kind of not contributing to the problem for for many of us. Even if we can't, you know, even if I can't end racism, I'm pretty sure I don't want to be the one who's you know, the white guy aggravating it, right? So, so that might be a reason not to support the current, um, you know, animal agriculture industry. But, but I agree, that doesn't necessarily mean we have a political solution to ending the industry. But that's the, that's the basis for it. In some ways, a critical mass of consumers saying, you know, I'm not gonna support this industry. It seems like it's gonna be a precondition for more radical change. This industry isn't like nebulously powerful for some sort of mysterious reason. You've got most people three times a day sending it funds. And it's true that they get even more than that because there's a subsidy kind of structure there. So that even if you withdraw your, your income from buying those products, we haven't totally solved the problem, but we've definitely moved in that direction. And companies pay careful attention to these numbers. You know, increasing numbers of vegetarian in the population mean all of a sudden there becomes a market for you know maybe something like let's invent a burger that tastes like a burger but it's made from plants obviously you know everyone knows this has been really big uh, uh, big uh, business you know the largest ipo in 2018 was uh, you know beyond meat so those changes in consumer behavior those changes that you as an individual make don't sit and stay with you people are paying attention and those things you know ramify but the second piece we need is uh, not just kind of um, divesting ourselves from you know, whatever we decide is beyond the pale, um, but communicating this politically that this has to be an issue. So it's a matter of being unsatisfied with a politician who seems to address climate change but won't talk about the substantial role that you know, industrial agriculture plays in it. And certainly if we're talking about pandemics for all the reason we've said, if this is a political issue For you, as I think it should be for most of us, don't take seriously the politicians that are unwilling to go to animal agriculture. What that will do is empower the politicians who are there right now who are trying to talk about this. And, and, you know, in the US for the first time, we do have a piece of legislation proposing a moratorium on factory farming. It has no chance of passing right now, but this is the first time it even exists you know it it exists as a piece of federal legislation that uh you know when the political climate allows it to be possible to pass it um you know it will move forward
1: you were saying like ah, for individuals um when they adapt their food choices they should do what seems like the right thing to them and um so I did two other interviews with uh, philosophers um, who are specialized in animal ethics and I asked them, you know, can you give some advice to people who want to do good um, with their food choices when it comes to preventing pandemics? And they said, well, you know, the, the first thing they should do is become um, a vegan. And I think like, well, you know, okay, but that's very demanding for many people. What you said was like, well, people should decide for themselves for themselves what what they think is reasonable to change more st- a step-by-step approach maybe
0: the, the truth is we, we we can only really do what we're very committed to you know so in some ways it's just a fantasy if I think you should move in a certain way just to kind of imagine that that's going to be even if I have great logical arguments behind me it, it's certainly not the way we make our you know, our food choices. So I think it's good to listen to folks who are challenging us. Uh, why, why does, you know, Peter Singer think I need to become, a, you know, a vegan to be, you know, basically um, ethical. But even if we decide that, even if we find upon thinking of it, w- we agree in principle that our values are, are uh, such that, w- that we really wanna have nothing to do with the current animal agriculture industry that doesn't extricate us from those human challenges. You know, the way in which we are physiologically and culturally and socially you know, tied to to food, it's hard to give up. And if we imagine that we have to, you know, immediately realize um, this kind of perfect ethical ideal, it it will paralyze us. And I think what most people experience is if you, if you, if you attend to these issues, if you keep coming back to them with, with your own existing heart and your own existing values, a lot of times it will provide motivation for you to give up animal products. You know, and, and, and that can be a, a somewhat natural process. There might be a little times where you're like, okay, you know, for this week, I'm just going to make a decision. I'm going to do this. And, and those kinds of promises can be very helpful. The promises I worry about when people are like, I must do X for the rest of my life, or I will betray all of my, you know, um, values that, that that seems like it tends to uh, yeah. lead us in the wrong direction it
1: becomes like an either or and you can't be in the in the middle somewhere or you're a hippo- hypocrite or i'm quite sure i'm a hypocrite i mean this is
0: it seems to me the human the human condition but we really try to minimize that minimization is is a scale and i don't think we have to um, uh, feel like by acknowledging that complexity of human decision making we are in any way diminishing um, you know, the clarity of the fact that the current, you know, the currently available animal products almost certainly violate your values, almost whoever is watching this. And, and, and that should give us pause and, and be a reason for reflection. Um, but that, uh, you know, can manifest in different, really different ways in terms of our different decision making and in terms of then how society decides to change the whole whole system. A lot of people find it's really hard to make individual changes, but they can participate in communal changes quite easily. That is they just don't have the discipline to not eat that favorite food, but if they're sitting there with their church group deciding, you know, whether they're going to, uh, you know, make the next uh, collective meal vegetarian or not, they're ready to sign up with a, you know, um, a, a meal that would be more value. Um, based other, other people find it very easy to be very strict personally, but have no patience for the compromises and debates that you have to have in community. So I think there's really space for all the different kinds of human dispositions.
1: If you could give some advice to individuals who are watching and who want to do something, um, some change to their food choice um, to help prevent future pandemics, what would you say? them?
0: Yeah, I mean, being um, an ambassador for the connection between animal agriculture and pandemics, knowing that and being, you know, uh, communicative about it um, would be my number one suggestion. And then yeah, if reducing animal products is the most straightforward way to divest yourself from those systems. So asking yourself, you know, where can I change my defaults? Do I really prefer cow's milk to soy milk? Well, maybe that's an easy switch. And, uh, you know, focusing on what you can do easily at first and then, you know, have a conversation with with yourself. But I, I think kind of in some ways, I guess my final suggestion would be recognize that the question of what you eat and what your community eats is a great, you know, moral adventure uh, and, and can be a great culinary adventure at the same time. Um, It's really a powerful place we can become the people we want to be and create the world we we want to create and almost whatever you do um once you realize that is is likely to be uh you know making the world a better place
1: if you like this interview don't forget to subscribe to the practical ethics channel on youtube